Här är EdTech Tuesdays. Mitt namn är Eva Hotmacher. I det här avsnittet har vi fått en stund med Celeste Stewart. Hon är ägare, grundare och lärstrateg på Bold Curiosity. Celeste älskar böcker, är en karismatisk ledare med etos och patos och har en passion för läranden i allmänhet och de unga i Sydafrika i synnerhet. Vi pratar om vikten av reflektion bland ledare, varför ledare behöver vara förebilder och vilka effekter det ger för medarbetarna. Celeste delar en dröm som gör mig alldeles varm inombords. Det här avsnittet lanseras på den sydafrikanska kvinnodagen, en dag som firas med allmän helgdag. Dela och berätta gärna om Entech Tuesdays för andra om du gillar våra avsnitt. Det skulle hjälpa mig mycket. Nu dags för Celeste Stewart. Välkommen till EdTech Tuesdays. En intervjupodd om innovation, lärandekultur och teknologier för lärande. Vi samtalar med svenska och internationella innovatörer, investerare, thinkers och doers som utmanar status quo. Podden produceras av Snabbfoting, en ledare inom kontinuerligt lärande och digitala plattformar. I've got lots of passions. I mean, I think, you know, in the workplace and from a professional perspective, I'm passionate about people connecting to what what makes them happy. I'm passionate about enabling people. I'm passionate about people finding opportunities where there are problems or difficulties. And I'm passionate about like I'm passionate about passion, if that makes sense. Like I, I want people to I, I want people to to wake up and 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 really connect to the thing that makes them happy and live their life through that lens as opposed to just doing things for the sake of doing things. And I know that you know I'm I'm also quite realistic so I know that there are things in life we just we got to do because we got to do like you know you need to pay TV license or we need to pay for you know, whatever we consume but I think um if we can for the most part have that courageous conversations with ourselves like what really sets your heart on fire like what gets you out of bed just without anyone having to tell you that's what you need to do and i think that when you can connect to that and get clarity on that then you can carve your life according to the way you want to do it so that's that's what i'm passionate about and then i'm also passionate about good coffee <laughs> <laughs> Good coffee is important. You share that <laughs> um, with me. Yes, good coffee, and I'm passionate about I'm passionate about art and painting. It's another an outlet I have, and I think I'm also I'm quite driven and passionate about about fairness, which also drives me as a person. And you know, given our history and the system we come from. I'm I'm really driven by helping people find their passion and creating a world that's a bit more fair and a bit more equal um especially in in my country. So those are some of the things I'm passionate about. I'm also passionate about shoes <laughs> and handbags <laughs> and good fashion. <laughs> you have a, a lot of passions. Uh, can you say yes. you're can you say you're a curious person that uh... I definitely yes I mean I am you know within the realm of curiosity I am all learning at least and people being passionate I'm definitely passionate about curiosity I mean I I didn't know that was the label you know being passionate about curiosity when I was a child but I loved reading books about adventure and books where there's a story and I I always I always thought it was me and a competition with the author and I I would read the story and then with every with every adventurous story I read I always thought I'm going to try and figure it out before I get to the end of the book I want to work out what is the plot in the story and then <laughs> like it's it's me against the author and it's this adventure that we go on when I when I read the story so that's uh, and you know getting older I've definitely um access to my curiosity a lot more it's helped me um open up my mind and open up my world in so many ways so yeah i'm definitely passionate about curiosity and taking ownership for your life 
Like, yeah. if you want something, go and get it. Like, make mm. a way. You will meet the right people you need to. But mm. you need to do the alignment in your own mind first. Yeah. Lovely. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here, Celeste. Uh, <laughs> can, can you tell a bit about yourself and your background? Mm. So my background is I'm from South Africa. I live in Cape Town. I'm an entrepreneur. I currently, this phase of my life is that I started my own business called Bold Curiosity. And I started mm -hmm. that in 2014. And it's all about leadership development, working with young people, working with more established leaders in business, working with women, wanting to connect to their power. And, and so that's, that's been the, the latest chapter of my life. And, you know, prior to that, I spent time in, in corporate South Africa working and getting that experience because I think you, we can consult, but it's, it's useful when you understand these systems and how they work. And um, yeah, I've, I've worked my entire life. And prior to that, I went to university. That was in my youth. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I've, I'm, I'm married. I've got two kids. And it's very exciting for me to be in the learning space mm -hmm. and raising a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old and getting them, get, get, getting to witness how they learn. Mm -hmm. You know, when they want to learn, they, they, they're very much into Lego. And so when they want to take their Lego and turn it into something else, they go onto YouTube first, they teach themselves, they ask their friends, um, they go, go onto Discord. And so as a parent and as a leader in the learning space, it's very exciting to see the new generation mm. and what their relationship with learning is and yeah. how they are very self-sufficient. Yeah. And the very different approach, very confident. They know what they want. They've got the clarity. So I'm also a parent, yeah. And um, I, yeah, I just, I love, I read a lot. Mm -hmm. I read lots and lots and lots of books. I'm, I'm old school, as we say, so I like to have a book. My, my favorite thing is to wake up in the morning and have a cup of coffee and have a book and open the book and smell the pages. <laughs> so, it, makes me, it gives me like such a lovely, it's like my, it releases my happy chemicals. Um, and I do Great. also love journaling and, you know, capturing what I'm thinking and feeling because I just, I find it so cathartic. So that's, that's some of what I do and who I am. And when you say thinking, thinking is important for you. Can you can you yeah. tell me more about that? Thinking. I just I think our thinking forms the basis of everything we do. It's like our 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 foundation. It's your operating system. Before you have a reaction that you can see and somebody else can see, you have a thought about it. And so if our thoughts are the basis of everything we do, we must take time to think about how we think and think about how we show up in the world and think mm. about how we want to be different. And so for me, the first step of empowerment is like almost like going into your mind with a magnifying glass mm -hmm. and looking over your thought patterns and looking over some of those automatic thoughts that we have and then deciding what works for me what doesn't work for me? What do I need to change? Um, and, and then take it from me. So I think that's the first step of empowerment for any person. Mm. Do you think we people need more thinking and reflection? Yes, 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 yes. It's another thing I'm passionate about. I think in this fast-paced world that we all become so addicted to so very quickly, I know it's it happens in South Africa, I'm not sure for you, um, but um, it's this, this culture of we must be busy all the time and a like, you know, very much in your performance mm. bubble. And I don't think we take enough time to look back on our day and go, what did I do today? What happened? Um, where did I show up well? Um, where did I show up? And I wasn't the best version mm. of myself. Who triggered me today? Why did that person or that situation trigger me? What does that tell me about me? And, and, and so we go from day to day and people make the same mistakes over and over yeah. and over. And all we have to do is just take 
like learn to value slowing down, reflection time, hitting the pause button, and and thinking, looking back, and going, what happened, and then looking forward and saying. So if I want to show up differently tomorrow, if I want a different outcome, what do I need to change? And so ultimately, when people don't do that enough, they expect their outside environment mm. to change. And actually, if you want to shift, it, it begins here. And the reflection is a key part of that. How can we develop that side, self-reflection? Yeah. Do you see a, a large gap in the leadership and the... Uh, uh, CS youth in uh, organizations. Yeah. Yeah. I I do think we don't have enough leaders as role models doing this. And so I think where the leader, because remember the leader sets the tone in an organization. If if the leader, if if the employees look up to their leader and the leader is taking time out to think, um, like practically blocking out a Wednesday afternoon to just think about whatever the, the organization is working on, where they need to go. If the employees see that, then they will also start to emulate that behavior. And mm. they will almost feel that psychological safety that my team leader, my department head, the CEO doing it. So it's okay for me also to take time out. Mm. So I think leaders need to do that enough. And well done to the leaders who are doing that already. You are, you play such an important role in helping other people feel that they can do the same. Mm. And then I think in our schooling system, we also need to um, create the culture of, you know, balanced thinking. Group discussion is important. Conversation is important. Fast-paced thinking is important. And then slow thinking is yeah. also important. So um, if I think about the school that, that my kids have an opportunity to go to, they build in reflection time. You know, the, the previous school my eldest son was at, um, the Friday morning, they had a whole hour. The, and, and, you know, Friday's a half day, so they don't mm -hmm. spend a whole day. So time is shorter, and of the short time, an hour is dedicated for them to think and reflect and journal. And mm -hmm. you can sit in the garden if you want to journal. So they're growing up with this as their normal. It mm -hmm. doesn't happen at all the schools. I think, like, in South Africa, for those of us who can send our children to um, schools that are better resourced, you know, mm -hmm. they, they have access to this kind of different approach to thinking and learning. But in the schools where it's, there's a lot of children, the teachers trying to get through so much content, there's not enough support, the building isn't fixed, the windows are broken, there aren't books. The reflection is the last thing on their teacher's mind. And I get that. Like, I have empathy for that because... That's the kind of school that I went to. So I understand mm -hmm. the situation. But I do think we, we're starting to see the shift in schools where children are encouraged to also reflect. And, you know, then they come into the organizations with that sort of expectation that it's going to be part of the company culture as well. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think um, maybe self-reflection and take pause is the most important to to find the right behaviors yeah. and patterns in organizations yeah. and in schools as well to understand what is my yeah. needs uh, yes Lovely. Yeah. absolutely and if a team in an organization can also learn to reflect imagine how powerful that will be if with every once a week when you have your team meeting for 15 minutes, we just go, what do we stop, start and continue, you know? And it doesn't have to be a complicated exercise. And, and that's when you start to make, create that culture where we make it okay to reflect and for people to give each other feedback and to celebrate your successes. Because when we reflect and we play back the day, you go, oh, oh, wow, I did that today. And it was a big goal of mine. And I didn't even notice that I can do it mm. now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so many missed opportunities if we don't get into the habit of reflection. Yeah, lovely. Uh, yeah, what do you say? Celebrate the success and yeah, maybe also um, encourage um, failures. Because if you have yes. failures in an organization, you can learn from the failures. And then you need exactly. the self-reflection time as well. 
Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where the curiosity also becomes important. You know, mm-hmm. how can we we look at the mistake and ask ourselves questions that we yeah. we don't beat ourselves up, but we learn from it. We go like, what caused the mistake? What worked well? Where did where where was the, the flaws or the mistakes and the learning opportunities? And how do we take this into the next project so that we don't make the same mistake over and over? Uh, when you work, do you work with uh, companies in South Africa or is it um, global companies as well? So so the, some of my clients are global-based clients mm-hmm. and I operate with the South African um, departments or the South African legs. And then I've got other clients that are purely South African-based companies. So my clients are predominantly here. But I'd love to expand and also work in other parts of the world as well. Yeah. Can you see differences? Uh, I guess here in the Nordics, we are different from from yeah, South Africa and the global companies. But when you mm. work, do you see difference in the learning space? I think, um, and again, it's, I think it's influenced by our context in South Africa. Um, you know, with, with our past oppressive system uh, called the Pantate, we people were segregated. And if you lived in a certain area, um, you the kind of space you were allowed to occupy was influenced by your race group, um, what you had access to, the schooling environment. It definitely, you know, people were put into these categories and based on where you were, um, you would have access to uh, the, the that would determine the quality of school, and I definitely think that impacts your relationship with learning and curiosity. Mm. Because if you come from a, a space, and and remember, we our democracy is still very very young, and so a lot of those behaviors still sit in our older generation, um, our our parents, our grandparents. You know, even the generation born now, you still see them emulating some of the behaviors that their aunts and uncles and parents did that was all based on the old system that said, yeah. you know, if you were a certain group, you couldn't speak out, you couldn't um, take ownership, uh, you couldn't, you couldn't, you didn't get the things that we want. And we're talking basically, like, the, if we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like your your fundamental needs were impacted and were were driven by your your race group and mm-hmm. it had nothing to do with your your intellectual ability and so so many people of color were just oppressed and you you like I said you saw if I see some of the, the people coming into companies now young people that yeah. grew up in the area that I grew up in yeah. um, I still see those behaviors and I still see them being very intimidated, very overwhelmed because the space is so different to what they grew up in. I'm not sure if they can uh, take ownership and, and drive. And, you know, thankfully we have graduate programs that we can coach young people on how to do that. But the unlearning and the relearning that needs to happen is 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 so massive. And, and that's also why I'm so passionate about my work because as long as I'm alive, I'm going to be contributing to that space because I know what it's like yeah. to come from a community where I don't. I arrive at a conference and I don't know what to do because I've mm. never been to a conference in my life. Mm. Um, I know what it's like to be the first of at the table and you have four different knives and forks and you don't know what to do. Mm. And and you know, so 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 that. That's also what drives me in the work that I do. How can a successful learning environment look like? Well, I think firstly, it's so important that for for anyone coming into an organization, they need to be role models. So we need mm. to see people who look like us in yeah. t- taking up spaces and showing other people without using words mm-hmm. your behavior. Yeah. What what good learning looks like, I think. So that's that's on an individual level, and I think that's far more powerful than than any initiatives or drives that you might run. Having said that, though, I do think if a if a company is serious about learning, and I think a lot of organisations are, 
is to have a like a policy in place that mm-hmm. stipulates how they would like this learning culture to be. And then you need to be realistic thereafter about building a holistic learning plan. Yeah. So for example, um, and I think you and I spoke about this briefly, you know, it's, you, you can't expect to just send someone on a workshop yeah. and then they change their behavior. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's possible to change behavior, but it's also one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. And so people need support. You need to have mentors in place. You need to have coaches in place. You need to allow for people to make mistakes and yeah. then learn from those mistakes. If you have the kind of culture where the manager is always shouting at the employee mm. when they make mistakes, then people are going to hide their mistakes. They're not going to take ownership. They're going to feel embarrassed and they're going to point the finger everywhere else because you don't yeah. want to get in trouble. So there are, there are things like that that an organization can do that, that moves beyond the formal workshop that really can embed a, a true learning culture. And of course, you know, the other thing I haven't mentioned yet is peer learning. Yeah. People learn so well when they learn from each other. Like yeah. you and I, we're I... chatting now, we're getting to know each other, we're building a relationship and we're learning at the same time. Absolutely. You know, this conversation is rich. I learn from you, you learn from me. And so mm. the tapping into the informal space and getting people to learn from each other and mm. making it okay to ask questions, um, you know, and and saying to people like, don't get annoyed or irritated when someone comes to you with a question. If they come to you with a question, they want to learn. Yeah. They are open and you are key to that person's curiosity and they learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So instead of feeling annoyed or you just want to get rid of the person, spend five minutes with them, yeah. give them good quality attention, and you both can benefit through that yeah. process. So those are some of my thoughts. Mm. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, you have a lot of good ideas. And as you said, one workshop, that's not enough for exactly. change behaviors. You need to, to make learning as continuous learning. Um, uh, do you work with curiosity uh, in your learning as well? Yeah, absolutely. And how does uh, people react on curiosity as a topic, <laughs> as an enabler? It's been... <laughs> are they curious or are they quiet? <laughs> it's been, it's, you know, it's been very, very interesting to see how people respond when, when they are. So I've definitely had requests where people say, we want young people coming into the workplace to be curious. We want them to take ownership for mm. their learning. We want them to to ask questions, especially from the employees who've been there for a long time, because those employees sit mm. with all the IP that you need. And so uh, people do do want it. And, and I think sometimes I've also found people just want me to give them questions, <laughs> like a list of questions. Mm-hmm. And then I think when you do that, then someone will become curious. And of course, it's again, like confidence and like resilience, it's a muscle that people need to learn. And so we need to take it in yeah. steps, small steps and build the confidence of the organization, of the team and of the mm. employee to be curious. So I do think that there's an appetite for it. And um, some people will say to me, do a talk to our leadership team or run a workshop. And then, and then the employees need to take take it and and run with it. Um, so yeah, there is an appetite. It's just the implementation sometimes mm. gets very interesting. <laughs> mm. uh, and when we discuss uh, self-driven learning, yes. that that is really important for continuous yeah. learning. And uh, I uh, organization here in. Um, the Nordics, we discuss a lot of self-driven learning because it is like yeah. a dream if your employees uh, are self-driven and uh, yeah. it is more like a pull-driven instead of push-driven learning. Exactly. I know it's a combination, but if if it is if it could be a pull-driven learning, uh, yeah. that's uh, really really nice. Um, yeah. Is it something you work a lot with the self-driven learning? So I think that in in the client basis that I work with, there's definitely a request for self-directed learning to 
um, again, build that kind of culture with employees. And then also to, you know, I, I always say to clients, if we expect our, if you expect your employees to show up in a certain way, we can't assume that people just know. We need to create like coaching circles or workshops or short courses where we just clarify what the topic is. So mm. I've, I've, I work with amazing clients where they really, you know, when I suggest self-directed learning or driving my learning, whatever you want to call it with the grads, that I've, I've, I'm, I'm given the scope to run workshops like that. And I draw on the Malcolm Knowles, you know, the, the very fundamental research around self-directed learning. And um, I think what's really important in an organization, again, you know, with having the role models and everything I spoke about earlier, but, but in addition to that, people also need to, people need easy access. So for mm. instance, if they want to, if they identify today that dealing with conflict is something that is, is, is an, an area of development for me and I want to quickly go online and I want to do a course and then I want to talk to my colleague about this. There shouldn't be too much admin and red tape in the way. Mm. Like learning should be open. There yeah. should be a space where people can go to, read up on something or contact a coach and then again have the space to apply it in their organizations and, and um try things out because if you think of like the definition of self-directed learning the learner identifies the gap they identify the resources that they'll need they put their own plan in place they set their own objectives they reflect on what they've achieved and then they close the loop and decide to to move forward you know so i i base my definition very much on the malcolm Knowles research and work so, so I, I do think it's necessary. And in today's age where, uh, if you think about COVID, like the way it just turned our lives upside down, yeah. you know, and, and the rate of change that we continue to experience in organizations with um, the fourth industrial revolution and the fifth industrial revolution. Mm. For, for people to keep up with change, they must be able to equip themselves along the way. And yeah. they must have easy access and they mm. must feel empowered. And so self-directed learning is key to that. And again, um, you know, if, if you can't have a fancy system in place in your organization, there's assignments that you can send people. There's little prompts that you can send them to drive their own learning along the way. So mm. it, it is a space that we need to be operating in. And I think it's so necessary for the world that we're in right now. Mm. So much has happened the last uh, few years. I made a reflection uh, quite recently on my holiday uh, that, yeah, 20, 25 years ago when I started work, uh, it was no onboarding. It was uh, no uh, large process to, to uh, jump into the work and learn the processes. It, yes. it, it was people you learn from so so much has happened yeah. uh, now we have digital tools and everything and uh, another yes. another framework and mindset for learning and um, how do you feel it um, has um, how has it um, how has it impacted uh, the organizations in uh, south africa the last five ten years can you see a, a shift I do think so. I think with young people, first, firstly with young people coming into the organization, they challenge many of the old beliefs that sit in organizations. And I love that. Yeah, that's <laughs> I love when, mm -hmm. when people, yeah, I love when people go, but why do you always do things in that way? So I do think with more and more young people coming into our organization, they've really started to challenge some of the the paradigms that sit in the organization and so so that's been that's been interesting to observe and i do think that's created a shift i think um more and more companies have seen the power of mentoring and mm. so i see a lot of my south african-based companies which is wonderful um wanting to adopt a culture of mentoring and informal mentoring specifically mm. so again you know formal workshops yes and i get involved in that but then also setting up a system where people can 
select their own mentor online, go onto the company internet and say, I want to learn from this person. So you see that coming through. Obviously, digital learning um, is is definitely, that has also um, been more frequently used in organizations and there's been a serious uptake with that concern. And and I do, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I still appreciate in-person workshops and learning because I, I do think with, with digital learning, there's an opportunity to have access anywhere at your own time. Mm. You can reach multiple people. If you think about a country like, in like South Africa where so many like skills still need to be developed and groomed, mm. it's, it's easy to just send something to people on their device. Yeah. And then I think what we also need to match that is a space where people can walk into a room and have a conversation with another person and say, this is how I interpreted the online learning. What did you, how did you make sense of it? How do you see it? What are your thoughts? Mm. So to still have that um, in person. And so I think there have been a lot of those kinds of shifts um, in South Africa. And I think also, you know, it's, What's also been lovely to see is the learner driving the learning agenda. Yeah. So, you know, historically you would have the, the trainer or the, the HR department or the line manager saying, this is what you need to learn. And now learners are saying, actually, I've got different ideas on what we should be covering or what, what we should be focusing on. And hopefully organizations um, optimize and, and, you know, take advantage of that. Because I'd rather work with someone who wants to take initiative like that and wants to drive the conversation because yeah. to me it shows that they're taking ownership. Yeah. And happy learners. How uh, how can we enable yes. learning for happy learners? Everybody don't like learning or they haven't found <laughs> a learning style or topics yeah. that uh, suit them. How can we make them happy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 very interesting because as you asked me the question now, I, I had a thought that I haven't spoken yet about neuroscience. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a very exciting conversation happening. I'm not sure for, for you, but definitely in South Africa, you know, how do we do brain-based learning? Mm-hmm. Because, Can you, um, tell more? you know, if we, if we, yeah, I think for it's about understanding the brain as an organ. I mean, I said earlier, our thoughts are the basis of everything we do. And where do we form our thoughts? In the brain. Mm -hmm. So if (laughs) you have a thought, it it means something when you have the thought. It comes from something. something. Absolutely. Exactly. And if we can start to understand this organ that generates our thoughts and, again, shapes everything we do, then we can start to have more clearer scientific-based evidence Mm-hmm. on how to engage every type of learner. So um, for the longest time, I think schools, universities, colleges and work have, have targeted a specific type of learner. Mm-hmm. So me me being a kinesthetic learner, and you can see even in this conversation, I'm, <laughs> I'm moving around, I'm coming close to the screen, I get excited, you know, yeah. I'm using my hands. So that's yeah. a kinesthetic learner. And for somebody like me, I can't have somebody lecturing to me for an hour. I want to get stuck in. I yeah. want to get involved. I want to experiment first, mm-hmm. make mistakes along the way, yeah. and then come back and reflect afterwards. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so all of this, you know, we know about the cold learning cycle from back then, but now there's all this neuroscience that, that gives you very factual information about the brain, about people's ability to concentrate, about our emotional state and mm-hmm. how, you know, if I've had an argument with someone and I come into a workshop, it's going to impact how I'm showing up mm. in that session. And so it, I think for it's very, it's very important for leaders and any leaders to equip themselves with the latest research around the neuroscience and there is enough information available online for you to start reading, and mm-hmm. upskilling yourself and learning some information about cortisol when people are stressed out, what does that do to your prefrontal cortex, how it shuts it down and you have difficulty thinking. 
there's the, the David Rock work, the Neuroleadership Institute, and there's SCARF mm. assessment that looks at the brain, social goals, and how leaders can use that to get happy learners. So there's just there's so much information that we can use that you and I do mm. as part of our field work. Anyway, that's how we keep ourselves up to date. And, and I encourage leaders to do the same, you know, mm. be on the forefront of what is happening right now in the learning space. Mm. It's definitely neuroscience and, and use that to engage your learners and keep them happy and motivated. Is it something you work uh, when you meet leaders to learn them more about neuroscience? So I do. So I'm a, or is I it work a framework with... for you? Yeah, so, so these, this framework called whole brain, the whole, the whole brain theory, um, and it's based on the Herman International, that organization, and there's a thinking instrument that also goes with mm. it. So it's the HPDI assessment, and it stands for Herman, sorry, Herman Brain Dominance Instrument, and it measures your thinking preference. Um, and then also tells you what do you like under pressure. So what happens to your thinking when okay. you are stressed out and anxious? And so I use that instrument as part of some of the workshops that I run and the work that I do to help leaders understand, you know, how to best engage with their employees and again how to get them to be um, just overall balanced thinkers and how to really optimize they're thinking for projects mm. for different initiatives that the organization has going and and how, how to best engage with each other so if i let's say i'm your coach and i teach you i'm probably going to teach you in the way i like to learn and so and that can often create frustration so for leaders mm. just to identify how do different people in my team think how do i think as the leader and then you know how do we make this work for our for our units Mm. Interesting, exciting. Do you think we can accelerate learning uh, in some sort of way? Maybe this is uh, a part of this, uh, but uh, how yeah. can we accelerate learning in organizations? I do think having, you know, and I don't want to sound like I'm doing a sales pitch, but but having <laughs> having having an insight as to how you think it's a bit like when you do a personality assessment and you go, Oh, so this is why I do what I do. And this is how I can do more of what I enjoy. So when, when people understand how the brain works, you can immediately start to think. So in that task, I thought in a certain way because it's about my profile. The other task required me to work in a space that I'm not comfortable in. And that's why I resisted. And so just, just having that perspective, why do I behave differently in certain situations can help me as a learner because then I can go, okay, so if this task requires me to do the more numerical kind of thinking and mm -hmm. quantitative data and analyze data, um, I do battle a little bit with it. So let me go and ask someone else for help and let me really push up the peer learning in that space. So I do think we, we can accelerate learning by having good good instruments in place by having um information available for people to to access i think the other thing is that we also need to celebrate the success stories of mm. the people in the organization who are driving their learning yeah. you know not just people who are reaching performance goals but who are the people displaying a growth mindset Mm. Who are the people that are, you know, take their time out to help others and coach other people? And and it's gonna it's a slow process. This this learning culture that we want to build is slow, but it's very possible. And those are just my my thoughts on the, the different components that, that we can have in place. The the other um the other body of of work is this um the Nancy Klein, the, the thinking environment work that I think, you know, leaders can also tap into to mm -hmm. optimize the person's thinking. And some of the, her work says, the way I pay attention to you 
directly impacts the quality of thinking that you do. Um, and so when we get into like, how do we behave in a way that really fosters the other person's thinking and curiosity and learning, then that can also accelerate learning in organizations. So I think some freedom, flexibility, different ways of understanding learning, being willing to throw out what we've known before and start all over again, you know, mm -hmm. as, as the learning leaders, whether it's an external person like me or someone yeah. internal in the organization, if that person themselves are not willing to change, then, you know, you're going to keep using the same formula you used five years ago and it's no longer fit for purpose. Mm. So we need people, those HR and OD and learning professionals to also yeah. become more change agile so that they can drive a different type of culture. So yes, we can accelerate learning. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, and I have the happy learners on my mind for the moment. Uh, it's lovely to, to make a learner more happy and self-driven and continuous. Yeah. Um, but can you see some barriers uh, that stop uh, from yes. this? Yes, and, and if I just, just on the point about happy learners, when when learners achieve something, just in terms of curiosity and, and learning, when we achieve a goal and you go, oh, I fed my curiosity today, it releases dopamine. Dopamine helps us feel good, we've achieved something, and it helps us commit the, what we've learned to long-term memory. Mm -hmm. So there's science behind why we need people to be happy and engaged. Okay. It's important, absolutely. Yeah. And so um, dopamine is not just a feel-good factor. It, it helps with um, looking after the state of your neurons in your brain. It helps the long-term memory. So it serves many purposes. Okay, so, so barriers to learning. I think, and, and I touched on it earlier, one of the, one of the biggest uh, bits of feedback I get from young people coming into the workplace is that when, when they must learn from their colleagues, people are so impatient and so busy and so caught up in their performance zone that they don't value someone coming in with new eyes and being in that novelty state. And so I do think it's important that for the more established people that you learn to see the value of another person's curiosity. They're not questioning you and your credibility. They are they're trying to understand the system and you are sitting with all the information that that person needs. Mm. So like the relationship, that connection is so important. Judgment, oh, judgment really, it drives me mad. So when, mm. when I come to you with a question and you give me like a weird look, those mirror neurons that I'm picking up in your face is giving me a message that you really don't want to have a conversation and I'm being a nuisance. Mm. And so for a lot of young people, um, and to go back to my point earlier about our South African context, if you come from an environment where you don't have anyone at home that you can ask this question to, mm. you don't have anyone in your family, you're the first of in your generation. Now you come into the workplace and you met with this person who doesn't want to help you for whatever reason it for some people they push through and they persist anyway and other people go into their shell young people and they go well I don't want to upset my colleagues so I'm going to leave it and I'll go and see if I can find the answer somewhere else mm -hmm. and so for me that that is a big barrier that impatience the judgment um again leaders not fostering this kind of culture where um, learning is welcomed, it's encouraged, it's part of your performance measurement system that you have in place, it's part of everything you do. And, and you know, and I, sometimes I hear mentors tell me that from their side, what they're frustrated with is, um, you know, young people coming into the organization and not being hungry enough. Uh, you know, they're expecting that the information will come to them. and. I, I know I'm very I'm very biased towards young people, so mm -hmm. I tend to yeah. I tend to like <laughs> go like oh don't blame the young person. But I do think if you again if you come from a school where you've been you've been <laughs> you've been in the school for for 
for 16 years. And for 16 years, you had a teacher tell you what to do, how to think, um, someone else always designing your learning for you. Then it is a paradigm shift to come into a system and drive your mm. own learning. And yeah. so we need to guide people where that's concerned. And so those are some of the, the barriers. I think um, if the organization is so fixated on performance only, then employees are not going to see the value of learning and they are always going to sit in that performance zone. They're not going to want to come out and dip into the learning zone as well. So those are some of the barriers I can think of. Mm. And if we go to the opposite, if we discuss a, a success organization, how how does it look there? Yeah. So I, I, if I think of... The happy my, organization, the self-driven yes. learning. Learner. Yeah, if I, I think of my one client now, we were facilitating a, a program for the HR community. And I what I so admire, you know, they, they the financial institutions so very, very busy, lots of pressure, lots of lots of, of admin because you need to, you know, if you're working with people's money. And and this leader who, who started the program would attend like every workshop with the group. Every workshop, she's sitting there for the full day, getting involved in discussions and working. So for me, when leaders really buy in and they support mm. and they are visible and they show up. I mean, if, if a leader is sitting in a workshop with you, then you can't say you're too busy to learn because that person has got, you know, three times what you've got and they are also sitting here. So we need leaders to be, again, I know I keep saying this, but like show other people what good learning looks like. That enables learning. Making learning, making it available to people, making it, making it open to people, encouraging, mm. encouraging questions in the meeting. Like there was, a, there was a lovely article, I think a few years ago in the Harvard Business Review, and they said, instead of starting your meeting with brainstorming, start mm -hmm. with question storming. So when you start when you nice. start your meeting instead of going, these are all my ideas, because you've already thought that thought. Instead of saying that, say what what are all the questions we have about whatever we are working on right now? And let's and the rule with this process is any question goes. So you're not allowed to falter in the first round. You just say any any question that comes to mind put it up there, do that like a brain dump, put mm -hmm. it up wherever you are, and then go, these questions are forming to one cluster. Then we start to, you know, organize our thinking, but just allow people to to think whatever they need to think and, and see how that impacts the quality of your discussions and your thinking and ultimately whatever conclusion you reach with your, your projects. I think those are just some of the ways we can enable i think we need to equip our leaders with yeah. knowledge about how adults learn mm -hmm. so you know when you're a leader you learn about operations you learn about technology and part of when you learn about people should be why learning matters why curiosity matters in this world today i mean it's it's so interesting we've got you can you know you can go you've got this database is it fair to call it a database i don't know a system called google mm. where you can you can yeah. type in any question and, yes. and i always have this tension with there's google so you can type in anything and the answer comes up immediately yet despite us having that powerful system now more than ever people need to be asking questions for mm. which there are no answers yet yeah because that's <laughs> what innovation is and leaders need to be playing a role and that's i think how you also enable learning let's think into spaces we haven't thought about before mm, absolutely and celeste can you tell me about one dream you have oh you have so many one, passions but I select do, one I dream <laughs> one one dream i have is to this is like my 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 deep deep passion i think it's the reason why i'm on this earth in the shape and form um, is to start a school where a learner can come into a school and design their own day. A five-year-old, a 12-year-old, 
a 16-year-old. And I think it's very possible. If, if you think about a child who's born, they don't download an app how to be curious. They just are curious. They go and they explore. So mm. I think when, when we are in our young form as human beings, we have so much of what you need to be a self-directed learner. It's, it's born. It's already there. It's within us. And so I want to design a school where a child can come in and say, today I'm going to spend an hour with Lego, and then an hour I'm going to go into the garden, and then an hour thereafter I'm going to sit with my facilitator because now I've got questions to ask them. And when we've got a question, then our minds are more open and willing to learn. Mm. So I close that gap, the curiosity. And also a school where an introverted learner can go, I'm just going to spend the first two hours of my day in silence because that's what works best for my brain. You know, instead of like forcing our introverted learners to just walk into a class and immediately start engaging with others, it's painful for them. They don't mm. like it. Mm. <laughs> they don't enjoy it. So, you know, they must, they must learn to work in a group. But, but how about a learner just walks in and they go and sit in a pod and they put on the earphones and they're learning whatever they want, and they're happy. And then when they are ready, they can go, now I'm ready to deal with people. These are my boundaries. This is what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to end the day being in my own space again. And so the learner is driving the agenda. The teacher becomes a resource. And the learner goes to the teacher when they formulated their questions. That is my big goal in life and I will achieve it I will if somehow I don't know how I will when have you met this goal this dream I I met this dream what a lovely question when did you meet your dream That's so it's not question. just a dream <laughs> it, it, it's um I met this dream probably about five years ago mm -hmm. and when would you like yeah. to achieve it Oh, <laughs> when, when I, difficult when, question yeah, today. It is a difficult. It is a difficult question because I, you know, there's also the the issue about you need to have land and then you need to have you know the money to start the school, um, and maybe I just need to flip my own thinking around this. I, yeah. I mean, why not? Within five years, I should be able to have this in place. And it's, uh, I heard oh, it's important you've made me to. Now. <laughs> I heard it's important to tell about goals and dreams for other people and yes. say, okay, I will, uh, I will uh, achieve this and uh, meet this yes. goal in five yes. years. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for sad. that because I think, I think with, um, you know, with the past two and a half years with COVID. Um, our thinking has become so tactical and day-to-day -day that for a lot of our dreams that we have thought of and our dreams that we met a few years ago, mm. it's gone into the back somewhere because there's just been so much to deal with in the world and um, like for me personally, loss in the family, um, that is really like grief, grief really consumes you, you know, and, and to connect that to learning, I think organizations these days must really take into account that for the past two years, there has been a lot of loss. So mm. you have employees in your system that are sad, they are grieving. Um, the mental health is another topic to think about. So when we design learning, mm. we need to take that into account. Like I've become very curious about what happens to your curiosity when you are also in mourning. And so I, I do think that, that organizations must factor that in and we must allow for vulnerable spaces where people can open up. But I mean, this has been a lovely question for me as well, because it gets me to talk about my dream again, because I've been so busy with surviving mm. that I've not spoken about it for a long time. And it really, it's, it's such a fire that I have. Mm. And so... Yeah, it's helped me just to remember why I wanted to do that. And, you know, in South Africa, I always say we can wait until we're going to build more schools. That's not going to happen anytime soon. If we can build, if we, like people who are in industry and private practice, 
if we can find a way to start making these solutions and um, taking world-class schools to the areas where I grew up in, instead of expecting people in those areas to move out, to come to another space, let's take the world-class to our communities, especially our under-resourced communities, mm. and, and, and start these schools again. I mean, I'm sure that I can achieve this goal in five years. So thank you for the question. Yeah, lovely reflection uh, hour for yourself yes. uh, this weekend. Perfect. Definitely. Lovely. Definitely. Thank you. Celeste, do you have any projects uh, for the moment? Uh, what is important for you, you? And can you tell us how we can reach uh, you? Yes. So, thank you. So, the, the, the big project, well, I, I, I think I'd call it more of an initiative and a drive. I, I had a thought last year, towards the end of last year, I said, why don't so so my, my my goal and is to position myself as a global thought leader on mm -hmm. the topic of curiosity wow. and self-directed mm -hmm. learning and um and then i thought what do i need to do to get there and i thought well i need to start putting content out there and a content that i'm passionate about and in a way that's authentic you know and then i said why don't i post something about curiosity every day <laughs> Lovely. This is how everything starts in my life. I have an idea and then I run with it. I just, I go with it and I implement. So that's my big passion right now is hashtag bold curiosity 365 and 365 because 365 days in the year and really? posting something every day. And a friend of mine a few years ago did something similar in her business with confidence. And so mm -hmm. I was always inspired by her project. And so this year I thought, oh, I can do that for curiosity. So if, if you if you search the hashtag, you will see my, my posts come up. And um, my, my other project that I'm, I'm trying to finish is also my, my master's, where I'm exploring the role of epistemic curiosity in self-directed learning mm. for young people transitioning to the world of work. And what's going to come out of that um, is my book, my book on curiosity which Ooh. i told you about next year wow. next year <laughs> you know i read so next many year. books Celeste, so uh, oh. yeah i will uh... i can see i love your bookshelf <laughs> soon i have your book in my <laughs> uh, awesome awesome yeah. yeah and it's been lovely to read stefan's book as well on on curiosity yes. so so i i that that will be another thing that i'm working on right now for next year and then also to to do more talks on curiosity. And so my my website is www.boldcuriosity.com, so the name of my business. And then on social media as well, on Instagram, it's Bold Curiosity. Um, on Twitter, it's Boldly Celeste. Yeah. <laughs> and um, on all the, yeah, LinkedIn as well, Facebook. Um, I, I don't have TikTok yet because I'm not sure how to connect curiosity and dancing, but I'm sure I'll find the connection. <laughs> you are a curious person, so soon we will see you at TikTok as well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Experiment. <laughs> so, so, so um, those those are the those are some of the things that I can think of now that that's top of mind. And ultimately, I also want to go with the schools in South Africa, and and again, you know, on our continent as well. Um, but to give talks to people in the education about how to foster curiosity in schools. Because ironically, people ask less questions as they move through school. And I mean, I don't get that because school should be about fostering more questions, not yeah. getting people to stop asking questions. So, so I'm hoping to do that because when you do that, you empower yourself, you improve your agency, your personal agency, and, and I think that's the basis for for anything and everything in life. So that's another personal project, which I don't know where I'm going to find the time to do all these things. But <laughs> I also want to, I also want to have a coffee shop, and I also want to do a cultural center. I want to do everything. So yeah, I think you have passion and engagement to, to find time uh, in the eighth hour Thank day you. to, to, uh, to uh, commit you. with that. Uh, 
Lovely, <laughs> lovely to have you here, Celeste. It's awesome to have this uh, discussion with you. Uh, thank you very much uh, to attending the EdTech Tuesdays podcast. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Eva, for inviting me. Thanks for the, the lovely conversation and the lovely questions. I mean, my curiosity is also piqued. And um, yes, you know, I've, I'm happy to do another conversation. And also, let's put it out there that we're going to meet in person. You and I are going to be sitting at the coffee shop somewhere, talking and brainstorming and taking over the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Two wonderful women uh, taking over yes. the world. Uh, you come to yes. Nordics or I go to <laughs> South Africa. That's lovely. Yeah. So nice. Yay. Awesome, Celeste. Thank you. Du har lyssnat på EdTech Tuesdays. En intervjupodd producerad av Snabbfoting. Vi är ledare inom kontinuerligt lärande och digitala plattformar. Besök oss på snabbfoting.se för att läsa mer om framtidens lärande.